Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. I want to uh, pick up where we were last Sunday morning talking about how to, re- how to receive answers from heaven. Amen. And I want us to go back and visit Isaiah chapter 59 this morning. Isaiah 59. And let's uh, strengthen ourselves with the Word of God today. Hallelujah. Will you just release your faith with me for something? I just want you to, to just release your faith. Uh, for utterances today. Utterances. We, we want to hear from the Holy Spirit. We want to hear what, what He can speak to us. So, so we just come to you, Father, and we receive. We ask you specifically, Father, that you would speak to us through your word, that by your Holy Spirit you would utter truths uh, to us as the word is preached as the, the scriptures unfold, that we will see things in your word that are specific answers to the things we have been searching you for and, and desiring of you. And we just believe you today that the Holy Spirit has perfect liberty to minister to us through your word and by the, the flow of the Spirit of God. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Isaiah 59, let's look at verse 1. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. I I don't believe this is just an accident or something poetic that is the reason that the Holy Spirit authored this verse in the Word of God. It is a reminder for us a strengthening to us that behold, look at this very closely. Behold this. Give this your attention. Behold this. The Lord's hand is not shortened. There is not a situation that He cannot save. There is not a circumstance that arises in our lives that He cannot rescue us, that He cannot help us, that He cannot liberate us from that situation. We've got to give that our attention because there are other things that want to convince you otherwise. There are other sources of information coming into your life telling you that this is too far, this is too heavy, this is too hard. God can't help you with this. God can't move in this situation. But the verse says the Lord's hand is not shortened. Hallelujah! His hand is not shortened. His hand is able to reach me. His hand is able to move in my behalf. His hand is able to deliver me. His hand is able to strengthen me. I think it's helpful to remember that in Psalm 91, there are three words that the King James English version calls delivers, but in the Hebrew language, they have three different words in that. And the first time that it says, He will deliver you, that first word means He will snatch you out. He'll pluck you up. I like that. 
I like it when he snatches me out. I like it when he plucks me right out of the middle of danger. But that's not the only way God can deliver. The second word, deliver, means that he'll make you pass right through it. And it's, it's the way when Jesus, you know, they took Jesus up and they were going to toss him over the side of a mountain. And he just walked out through the middle of the crowd. One minute they had him ready to toss him over. And the next minute they said, where did he go? Because God just, just caused them to move right out of that situation. And that's what that second word deliver in Psalm 91 means. In the third time it uses the word deliver, when God said, I will deliver him, uh, it says... It says, he will strengthen or equip you or arm you to overcome the situation in the situation. That's still deliverance. That's still delivering me. He doesn't have to pluck me out. If he plucks me he's the Lord. I'm happy with plucked out. But if he doesn't pluck me out, I'm not going to throw up my hands and say, God didn't do it for me. I'm still in this situation. I'm going to recognize either I'm going to walk out of this situation, I'm just going to slide out of it somehow, or God's going to give me such a strength. He's going to give me such a weapon. He's going to give me so many bullets. I can stand here in the middle of the battle, and when the battle stops and the smoke clears, guess who's going to be standing? Guess who's going to be overcoming? Guess who's going to be victorious? Hallelujah. I made it through the battle, and Jesus is still Lord, and he's still on the throne, and it's all because of him. It's all because of him. That's still his deliverance. It's still his deliverance. The Lord's hand is not shortened. And his ear is not heavy. And that word heavy is talking about dull, talking about being um, uh, calloused or, or just learning how to tune things out. His ear is not calloused. His ear is not hard of hearing. His ear is not... Uh, uh, hard to get his attention. He can hear when we call on him. God is so fully God, so completely God, that he can hear every one of us if we all call on his name at the same moment, in the same volume. He isn't saying, that that person's uh, drowning out this other person. No, he can hear every voice. And he can hear every petition. And he can hear every cry of faith. Amen. His ear is not heavy that it cannot hear. Psalm 34 and verse 15 tells us that his ear is open to us. His ear is, is tuned into our channel. His ear is tuned into our frequency. It's on the righteous frequency. If you're a righteous believer today, if you're one who's bought by the blood, you've been made the righteousness of God. I mean, if you're a new creature in Christ Jesus, all things are passed away, all things are created new, and you today are a righteous man, a righteous woman, and His ear is tuned into the righteous frequency. So you're on the, you're on the God band already. He's already got you on uh, so that when you come on the line, it goes directly to him. You don't have to get through his secretary. You don't have to uh, be on hold. You don't have to wait until he gets done with the previous caller to take up your phone call. He is open to take your request to hear your voice when you call on him. Psalm 34 and verse 15 says, The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open unto their cry. Yes. 
Now, when the righteous cry, we don't cry begging. Why? Because we know who we are. We know the blood that bought us. We know the, the, the sacrifice of our Savior, Jesus. We know the, the, the truth of Him becoming sin so that we could be made righteous. So when we come to Him, it's not a desperate, it's not a, a begging, it's a, Father, I love you. It's a, Father, I'm your child conversation. Father, I am your daughter. I am your son. And I come to you in, in a perfect confidence that you hear me. Yeah, Hallelujah. He is open unto their cry. Psalm 145, 18. 145, 18. Says the Lord is near unto all that call upon him. Yeah. To all that call upon him in truth. Hallelujah. He is near. He, so, so when Romans chapter 10 says, the righteousness which is of faith does not say, I've got to get God to come down. I've got to get God to come down. The righteousness which is of faith says the word is near me. Is that what it's saying here? The Lord is near to all who call upon him in truth. Jesus said in John 17, 17, thy word is truth. So when I call upon Him in the Word, when I call upon Him on the basis of His Word, when I call upon Him based on the covenant, then He is, it is a ever-present help. He, he, has, he, has, uh, he is uh, established with help in the ranks already. Amen? Amen? He will fulfill the desire of them that fear Him he also will hear their cry and will save them. I, I want us to remind ourselves of this word save because it means in the original language to liberate, to rescue, to restore, to heal, to prosper. It is talking about restoring every area of our life. He will restore us. He will liberate us. He will free us. He will deliver us. Yes. He will heal us because healing is deliverance Amen. from sickness. Yes. Healing is deliverance of the body, a liberating of the body from a sickness that's trying to attack. Hallelujah. Prospering us financially is liberating us from poverty that tries to... Poverty is in this world because the curse is operative here. The curse is in the world, but we're not under the dominion of the curse. We're under the dominion of the blessing. If you are in Christ, he's, He is governing your life with the blessing flow. The blessing is part of the flow of Jesus' governing power. He governs us with the blessing. He became cursed for us so it's, it's because cursed is every man that hangeth upon the tree, Galatians chapter 3 says, so that the blessing of Abraham might come on. So he became cursed so that the blessing might come on, come on. Notice how when you read about the blessing, even in Deuteronomy 28, it says you will hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord your God to observe and to do all that He's commanded, and then all of these blessings will come on, come on. 
you and overtake you. So that shows me it's a flow. And that that just burst. And that water's coming rushing down. The blessing overtakes you. It picks you up and begins to carry you and fills all the empty places that it runs. Hallelujah. The blessing. He says that, uh, that he will cause, that God is able to make all grace abound. Abound toward you. What's going to happen when that water comes rushing out of that dam? It's abounding and it is causing there to be a filling up of every valley, a filling up of every hole, a filling up of every empty place. And he says the blessing, he, that grace, the favor, the favor, he is able to make all of this favor abound toward you. So what's the result? You have all sufficiency in all things. And you abound to every good work. Hallelujah. This is the flow of our Savior, Jesus Christ, as he lords over us, as he governs over our life, he governs us in the blessing. So he says that he is able to save. And that word means to liberate, to rescue, to deliver, to restore, to heal, to prosper. He is able. So whatever kind of saving you need. So this is not something, well, I got saved. We got born again, but I might need to call 911 again and say, Lord, I need you to rescue me in this situation. And he is able to hear my cry and to rescue me, to heal my cry, hear my cry and come to my aid, to hear my cry and to heal my body, to hear my cry and to meet my financial need. This is his desire and he is able and he will hear their cry, will is a covenant word. He will. I will bless you. I will multiply you. That, that's the blessing I inherited in Hebrews chapter 6. And blessing I will bless you. Multiplying I will multiply you. I, I inherited that. I'm an heir, with Je- heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus. I inherited Abraham's promise. Abraham's promise. Go to heaven with Abraham. Abraham's promise is to all of his descendants and I am a descendant of Abraham who's on the earth today and I have inherited the promise that in blessing God will bless me in multiplying God will multiply me hallelujah notice that in each of these verses there is a calling there is a calling a calling out from our place a place of us taking our, our voices and lifting them up in a specific peti- petition before the Lord. Receiving uh, of, of His goodness and of His favor and of His blessing. And yet it is initiated by my call of faith. By my voice crying out as a righteous voice. Now the unrighteous don't have the same frequency that I have. They have to first receive salvation. They have to first call upon Jesus and get saved and then they're moved over to a different frequency. But you know, our frequency's got the direct line in. Got the direct line in to God because he is, His eyes are over the righteous. His ears are open to the righteous. Hallelujah. 
And so that's why we need to know who we are in Christ. That's why you need to get all of those free CDs. No, no charge means no, no excuse, right? Of our being in Christ. We've got our being in Christ. We've got our healing in Christ. We've got our authority in Christ. We've got our inheritance in Christ. We've got uh, our, our command in Christ. We've got all of those in Christ series so that you can know I am righteous. And when you stand up before God to make a petition you don't have to first uh, work yourself up with some confidence of who you are but you can just come in knowing who you are you don't have to remind yourself and go through all kinds of religious uh, uh, gumbly gook uh, to get to the reality of who you are in Christ amen revelation chapter 5 rigmarole Gumbly gook. <laughs> Revelations chapter 5. Let's see what our prayers uh, from heaven's perspective look like. Revelation 5, I want to read verse 8. And when he had taken the book, this is a picture of what's actually going on in heaven. When he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors or incense, my center column reference says, which are the prayers of saints. Now, saints is not a word that is referring to Old Testament saints or referring to Catholic, what the Catholic referred to as saints. The word saints is the same word as righteous. In the New Testament, it's referring to the righteous. So the prayers of the righteous, the prayers of the righteous uh, smell beautiful to the Lord. They are present at the throne and they are something that is coming up as a sweet smelling fragrance to him. Hallelujah. Let's also look in the same chapter or same uh, uh, book, Revelation chapter 8 and verse 3. 8.3 says, Another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints or righteous, the prayers of the righteous upon the altar, the golden altar, which was before the throne. What a dignified place for my prayer to be. Your prayer is on the golden altar in front of the throne of God. Ooh, that'll make you want to choose your words, right? Before you open your mouth and say, Father, in the name of Jesus, you're going to know this is something that is going to be heard. You know, have you ever been talking to somebody and you didn't know they had you on speaker? And then other people start responding in the car or whatever, and you're like, they had me on speaker the whole time. Well, my prayers, the angels are hearing it as it comes up before the golden throne of God. Hallelujah. What an honor that God, that's how much He loves to hear from you. That's how much He enjoys hearing your voice call on His name. Hallelujah. So it says, they come up on the gold, upon the golden altar which was before the throne and the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints of the righteous ascended up before God 
out of the angels' hands. Angels even deal with our prayers in a very delicate way, in a very honorable way. Hallelujah. I want to show you another example from Acts chapter 10 of the presence of my prayer and your prayer in the presence of God. Acts chapter 10, verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. Prayed to God. He saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Your prayers, your prayers and your alms are come up for a memorial before God. Now, at this point, Cornelius did not have enough light to have asked Jesus to be his Lord. And God sends Peter to come to his house and to preach the, the gospel, the good news of salvation to him and to his family. And he receives Jesus and receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the, and they are, are, are uh, filled with the Spirit and blessed and strengthened. And, and, but at, he is praying to God and doesn't even have the salvation in Jesus Christ in place yet. But his heart is right. His heart is hungry. His heart is desiring. And so it says that his prayers have come up for a memorial. I want to give you a definition of this word memorial uh, from the dictionary. It says anything that serves to keep in the memory. Anything that serves to keep in the memory. Something that, that's a reminder to you. Something that, that is set as a... An, it, when we think about a memorial, for instance, we would think about maybe... Uh, uh, the Vietnam Veterans Memorial or the, world, the different World War II Memorial. There's a memorial at Pearl Harbor to commemorate uh, the fall, uh, the attack that happened on Pearl Harbor. Those things are there, there so that people can come there and read the details and remember. And, and it's to mark... You know, there's a memorial at the twin, where the location of where the Twin Towers were. It's a memorial to remember. But he said that prayers can come up as a memorial. Amen. Prayers can come up. And when I think about this, I think about a, a, a specific minister. I think about uh, how uh, Brother Copeland talked about how his mother prayed for him. And, you know, when his mother prayed for him... He was constantly bringing up a memorial to the God, to the Lord, a, a memorial to God, saying uh, to God, uh, uh, bringing up her request to Him, not necessarily uh, making a request in the same way she made it the first time, but bringing it up as a reminder of what she'd already released her faith for. Yes. Amen. And uh, 
I think he, at one point while she was still alive, she said, I didn't want this. I, I'm glad for oh, the, the worldwide ministry that he has. She was glad for it, but she just wanted him saved. But God took that constant memorial and he made it a lot bigger than maybe she even knew she was praying about in the natural. But our prayers, I want us to see the heaviness, the weightiness, the, the um, importance of our praying and our, um, our boldness in prayer. Our, not boldness in a way that we're trying to convince or, to, or, or make God do something or change His mind, but our boldness in the sense of uh, coming, knowing who we are, knowing what He wants, knowing what is His will in our life, and laying hold of that will and refusing to settle for anything less than Jesus died to give me. Amen? I'm not going to settle for less. I'm not going to leave anything on the table. You know, if my grandmother worked all to put out all of those special things on the table. I'm going to try everything on the table. I'm going to get some of those green beans. I'm going to get some of those potatoes. I'm going to get some of that macaroni and cheese. I'm going to get some of that. It's wrong, I know. It's, it's too early in the morning for me to be talking about food. But hear me, I'm going to partake of everything that she made because she made it with love and she would always be like, now honey, have you tasted this? And I might not even like it, but Grandma, put it on the plate because I'm going to eat it. Amen? And everything Jesus prepared in our redemption by His death on the cross, by His suffering sin and becoming made sin and suffering being disconnected from the presence of the Father, every aspect of my redemption, I want full load of... I want to load my plate up. Amen? For His glory. For His glory. So, John Wesley was a great man of prayer. And he made this statement. He said, God does nothing except in response to believing prayer. God does nothing except in response to believing prayer. Now that will uh, shoot a hole in a lot of the theories that people have concerning the sovereignty of God. And that's why we don't just want to read the Bible. We want to read the Bible. Because God is sovereign in who He is, but He is not functioning sovereignly on the earth because in Genesis, He delegated authority to man on the earth. He said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them have dominion. And then he blessed Adam and Eve, saying unto them, Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. Have dominion. D subdue it. Subdue it. I'm giving you authority, and if something happens on the earth that is not my will... It is because you allowed it to get out of line. And that's what happened when Satan came and tempted Eve. There was no exercising of authority. There was no resisting of the enemy or commanding him or commanding him to cease in the temptations. He was just allowed to have voice into Eve's life and she thought on what 
words he placed into her mind, if they came in unhindered, unresisted, and, and just exercised over her thought processes until she changed her mind. And it says in Genesis chapter 3, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and a tree to be desired to make one wise and a tree that was pleasant to the sight, she took of the fruit of that tree and she ate it and gave to her husband with her. He didn't exercise authority. She didn't resist the devil. And because of that, they disobeyed God and obeyed Satan. And in obeying Satan, they took the authority that God had completely delegated to them and they brought it under Satan's control. And then we see Satan in the temptation of Jesus telling Jesus all power... All of these, the power of all of these kingdoms has been given unto me. Now, if that were a lie, it would not have tempted Jesus. It would not have been a valid temptation had it not been true. When he said, all of the authority of these kingdoms has been given unto me, God didn't give it to him. God didn't give Satan authority over anything. And God wasn't the one who opened the door for him to attack Job. Job feared fear and broke down the blessing hedge, the protection hedge. He said, I feared fear and what I feared has come upon me because fear is like a magnet and faith is like a magnet. Fear is like a magnet for everything you would dread and faith is a magnet for everything you would hope for from God. And he feared a fear and it broke down the hedge. And in the breaking down of the hedge, God said, what he has is in your hands. God didn't say, I'm giving you everything Satan has or Job has to attack. He didn't say that. He said, what he has is already in your hand. How did it get in his hand? Job broke down the blessing hedge with fear. It said he did it continually. He said continually, perhaps my children have cursed God. And he was doing something that looked like faith, but it was being done out of a motive of fear. And he did it continually, which tells me he was highly developed in it. He was highly developed in fear. Hallelujah. He practiced it. It was something he allowed to have a continual flow in his thought life, which came out in his activity. So when we recognize that God delegated the authority to Adam and Adam, it was so completely delegated to Adam that when Adam fell, that authority went with Adam under the dominion of Satan who in the New Testament in uh, first, uh, uh, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, it refers to him as the God of this world. The God, little g, not a big g. Why? Because he, in bringing Adam and Eve under his subjection, under subjection to him, he brought the authority God had delegated to Adam. Because God delegated authority to man. Jesus came born of a virgin. And if your version of the Bible says he was born of a young girl, go ahead and put that one on the shelf and go get you one that says he was born of a virgin. Because it's vital. Your faith is in the blood and the 
purity of the blood. Your faith is in the fact that Jesus was the second Adam, the last Adam. He was not with blood that came from the, parent, the parentage or the descendancy or the lineage of Adam. He was the Word made flesh. He had to be born legally on the earth to be a man. But he did not have to have man as a father. The Word was made flesh in the womb of Mary who had never known a man. She was a virgin. She became pregnant by the Word of God. The Word that the angel brought to her was the working out of God's plan. The word that God brought to her was, you shall give birth to a child, you shall conceive a child, and his name shall be Emmanuel. His name, he will, he will be uh, in the lineage of David. So this word, she said, be it unto me. She accepted the word. And the word became flesh, and Jesus was born with God's DNA. Because we know enough from Jerry Springer, and I don't watch it, but I know that what Jerry Springer gave his focus to was who is the baby's daddy? Who is the baby's daddy? We're going to prove who is the baby's daddy. We're going to run the test and they would take the blood to prove who is the father. And Jesus, his blood came from the father God, which made his blood appropriate sacrifice on the cross for me. And you too? It's, it's the fact that his blood was pure. And Jesus, because he was born of God and yet born as a man, he was completely the Son of God, 100% the Son of God from the moment He was conceived in the womb of Mary, but 100% the Son of Man. He was legal in that body. And the devils could not com compute how did Jesus get in that body legally. In, in the story in, uh, in Mark chapter 5 where it refers to a man called who was in bondage to a legion of devils. It says that those devils looked at Jesus and said, I adjure you by God that you torment me not. He is, he is giving Jesus a military command in God's name that you torment me not because he thought Jesus was illegally in that body. How could Jesus get in that body? One of them confronted when Jesus was healing the man who had the withered arm. There was a demon uh, uh, confrontation and he said, uh, we know who you are. We know who you are. You are the Holy One of Israel. We know who you are. What, why was he saying that? He wasn't testifying for Jesus. He wasn't witnessing for the Lord. That was a calling him out, trying to tell him, you're illegal. What are you doing in that man? What are you doing in that man's body? Jesus said, I was born in it. I, I'm here. I got a birth certificate. 
That's why Matthew 1 starts out with the genealogy. I used to think, what a boring part of the Bible, the genealogy, until I began to recognize what a valid part. I, sometimes you just need to read over the genealogy. This is the genealogy of the Lord Jesus. He was born legally into this planet. Now you can get excited about those begats. Amen? Why? Because he came as a man with the, the same authority that God had delegated to the first Adam. Now he was operating in that authority. And then after he went to the cross and defeated death, hell, and the grave, he came back to his disciples after he uh, rose from the grave and said to them, All power in heaven... Well, Adam didn't have any authority in heaven. The first Adam didn't have. He had authority over everything that, that, that flew, everything on the, in the water, everything that creeped on the land. He had authority on the earth. But Jesus said, all authority in heaven and in earth is given unto me. And now I'm delegating that authority to you. Hallelujah. So, so we recognize now this sovereignty issue has to be in line with the word so that it, this is why. If you keep waiting on God to do something that he delegated to you, you might be waiting a while. Not you. Somebody. If somebody, if I, if I, I'll pull it on me. If I am putting off and waiting for God to do something. And he said, Michelle, I've given you authority to handle that. I've given you authority to call for that. I, I need you to call on me. I need you to start releasing your faith for that. I need you to bring your faith to the table where that's concerned. There are some things God tells us so that we can get our faith, we can begin to minister in prayer over that thing and watch over that thing in prayer. And so it's important for us to know that, that the sovereignty is, uh, there is a delegation of authority on the earth to man and the righteous people can do something that the unrighteous can't. We can enact and enforce the will of God in situations and turn situations and cause impossible things to turn and cause hopeless things to turn and cause, cause tragedies to turn. We can do it if we know who we are and we're, we're quick to respond in faith and quick to respond in our authority. And so uh, we recognize here this uh, this. God does nothing except in response to believing prayer is talking about you and I becoming skilled in who we are and the authority that we have. Yes. Ephesians chapter 6 talks about the armor of God. And in this description of the armor of God, it begins by uh, identifying this... Victory. It says in Ephesians 6.10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. That means you be strong spiritually, in the fruit of the Spirit, in your walk with God. Be strong in this character building, allowing God's love to dominate the way you deal with people, allowing forgiveness to be at the forefront constantly 
of your thoughts, that you are upright, that you are walking in the Word. Be strong in the Lord and be strong in the power of His might. That's talking about the anointing of God, the, the, the flowing of His gifts. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. That's where we get our strength. And then it says, put on the whole armor of God. And in putting on the whole armor of God, you are able to stand. It says, put on the whole armor of God so that, you could say, that you may be able to stand against the wiles. And that word wiles means strategies. It means trickery. It means His plan. So it doesn't matter what He's planned if I've got on the armor, if I'm being strong in the Lord and in His armor, I'm able to stand. Let Him make His plans. Let Him set His traps. I'm not under the authority of them. I'm not a victim to them. I'm not subject to the, the, the devil's plans, to Satan's plans. I am able to stand against. Against is an important word because circle it right there in verse 11. And every time you see it in verse 12, I want you to circle it in your Bible. God could have said this differently. The Holy Spirit could have said this differently. He could have just merged it all into a conversation. said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, principalities, powers, the rulers of darkness of this world, or spiritual wickedness in high places. He could have just made it a compound sentence and just, just put them all in there, you know, listed right after another, but he didn't do it that way. And he didn't because he wants to emphasize the word against. And the word against in... Now remember that when the Apostle Paul is using this, this imagery of armor, he is, uh, so according to Bible history, he is writing this while he's in uh, Roman uh, captivity because he was being taken uh, to uh, witness before the emperor. He was uh, surrounded by Roman guards and... And they're uh, giving this, this imagery of the, the kind of uh, armor that the Roman guards wore. So he's using imagery about a battle. He's using imagery about uh, conquering, using imagery about defending. And so when he uses this word against, it is a Greek word that means face-to-face. Face-to-face combat. Face-to-face combat. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are more than conquerors. We are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So in a face-to-face combat, we're not intimidated by the plans of the enemy. We're not intimidated by his working, his, his laying of traps, because the greater one, greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. We're walking in the light of the greater one. We've got the greater one who will uh, warn us about the plans that the enemy has set. Do we see that in the book of Acts? how they knew the plans that were being plotted against the Apostle Paul and they, they, they just moved him right out of the situation. Amen. And so this word against is used to let us know when we get face to face in combat standing for what the will of God is in our situation, we will be able to stand. We stand, it says in verse 12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against 
principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So, yes, we're going to be face-to-face, but you're covered in the armor. We're face-to-face, but that's not intimidating. We're not moved by that. Hallelujah. We are able to stand. Is that what verse 10 said? You are able, or verse 11, you are able to stand. Verse 13, wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, here we go again, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. You are able to withstand in the evil day. I would say we're in a day that's an evil day. And we are more than conquerors in this evil day. We are able to stand in this day. Standing victorious, standing overcoming, standing in the promise of God. You are able to stand. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. Having, now that's not a, 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 a desperate standing. That's a victorious stand. I'm standing. I, you are an inheritor of the victory that Jesus won on the cross. You never have to try to get victory. That is unscriptural for you to have to try to get victory. He says you are overcomers. He said, thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. Thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ. So if a situation comes, you're in victory in the battle. The battle just doesn't know it yet, but I'm here to announce to the battle, I win this battle. In Christ, I win. I'm not moving out of Him. I'm not moving out of Him. In Christ, I win. Why? Because Jesus isn't about to lose this battle. And I'm in Him. And He's in me. So do you see that victory? He said, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. And, and, And one translation says, this is the victory that has overcome the world. Jesus used this faith and then gave it to us. We don't have generic faith. We don't have low-grade faith. We don't have watered-down faith. We have faith that came from God Himself. And it is the victory that overcomes. Hallelujah. So He says, stand. Stand. That word means to make firm, to fix, to establish, to uphold or sustain the authority or force of anything. So I'm standing upholding the authority of God's Word in my situation. This is why it's about the Word. It's about the Word. If I've got the Word on it, I'm standing in that. If I don't have the Word, I don't have a basis to stand. But if I know what the will of God is in a situation, I can stand for it. Stand. Having your loins girt about with truth. Having on the breastplate of righteousness your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you will be able, you shall be able to quench all. So you don't have to take a few hits for Jesus. You don't have to come out, tore up from the floor up, wounded, bruised, and battered. If you've got your shield and you're pulling it up above all, you are able to quench anything the enemy throws against you. That's the plan of God. That's the will of God. Have we all been perfect in that? No. But that's why we're every day is a faith day. 
That's why we're developing our faith. That's why we're here today, getting bullets for our gun. That's why we're here today, getting strength for our heart. That's why we're here today, loading up with light. We are children of light. We're wearing the armor of light. Amen? So he says that we are able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And what do I do when I put all of this armor on and I've got my helmet on, i got the sword in my hand, now what do I do? Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto. Watching in prayer. Watching in prayer. Now that word watching means to be intent upon a thing. Now, we are identifying prayer as more than just the prayer of faith that receives for me personally something that is mine by covenant. That is very much a... a the prayer of faith. But this says praying always with all prayer. One translation says all types of prayer. So there's more than just the prayer of faith that lays hold of covenant benefits or covenant rights for me personally. There is the prayer of intercession. There are supplications. There is the prayer of praise and thanksgiving. There is the prayer of consecration. And so the prayer, if you really wanted to identify prayer, it's communication. It's communication. And and the, the, the difference is the, the condition of the heart. Because there are a lot of religions that pray, but they're not getting the same results because they're not on my frequency. The righteous, blood-bought, redeemed people are, are calling out in faith, based on the Word, with truth. We are on a frequency releasing a frequency of faith in our words that is, uh, is picked up, hotlined right into the ears of the Father, and He's able to hear our cry. Our prayers are, are coming from the blood-washed heart and a faith-filled heart. Hallelujah. God will hear every hungry person who cries out. We saw that with Cornelius. He wanted the answer. God sent him the answer. He'll hear their prayers, but the prayers that he's able to respond to are the prayers that come on the basis of his word, the prayers that come in line with his will. If I were to ask God right now, let's say just for, just for instance, that, well, let me use a, a real-time example. There was a woman... Who, who came to the church years ago in Kansas, and, and she was praying for God to make my husband her husband. God could not answer that prayer. There was no righteousness in her prayer. There was no righteousness in her prayer. I knew somebody who, who put all of their hope in praying for God to let them win the lottery. They wanted to win the sweepstakes. And so they were just believing God and they were just believing God and they were praying. But there's no scriptural basis that, that you can win the lottery with God's help or the sweepstakes or, or... See, do you see that 
will, will hinder because then people say, well, God, sometimes he answers and sometimes he doesn't. When we come accurately, he's open and he responds. Hallelujah. And so this is where we want to uh, uh, allow the Holy Spirit to teach us and our, our, bring our skill and our proficiency to this praying always with all prayer and supplication. Why? God delegated authority to men and women on the earth. Righteous men and women. What, what caused Jesus to have authority to speak to the wind and the waves was not that he came from heaven, but that he was born on the earth. Amen. He was a man alive unto God, anointed with the Spirit of God, but he was a man. Amen. That's the plan that God delegated the authority to man. Yes, and in delegating the authority to righteous man... We can bring forth the will of God into situations where the curse is trying to take it a different direction, where evil people are trying to take it a different direction. We do not have to subject ourselves to living in a circumstance or a situation that the evil one is, is conducting. God can keep us like He kept His people in Goshen, and He can also raise up in us the answering prayer telling us what to pray and how to pray against what the enemy is plotting. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So, Daniel, let's look at chapter 9 of Daniel. I want us to, uh, in this text, see uh, God's and the angels' interaction in the prayer. Daniel 9. Let's begin in verse 1. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the seed of Medes, which is made king over, was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books. The Moffat translation says, I noticed in the scriptures. So he was reading from God's word that was available to them. He was reading in the scrolls, reading in the scriptures, and he began to see something in the scriptures. He said, I understood, noticed in the scriptures, I understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. And I set my face, the NASB the, uh, says, I gave my attention to the Lord. Uh, the Moffat translation says, So I sought the Lord, applying myself to prayer. I sought the Lord. I gave my attention. I set my face unto the Lord. So now we're recognizing I'm not just talking about a prayer of faith where I'm laying hold of something specific. For instance, if... if a, a, physical attack comes against my body, I'm going to immediately lay hold of the healing that is in my account by the stripes that Jesus bore on his back. And I'm going to raise up a shield of resistance against that while I'm receiving from God my healing. I'm going to be resisting the enemy with my faith and receiving from God with my faith and laying hold because that's mine. Jesus took stripes on his back for me. And, and he put it 
available for me to access. And so I'm going to receive that and, and lay hold of it and, and resist at the same time what the enemy's bringing. But we're not talking about the prayer of faith in that way, but yet every prayer should have faith in it. There is a prayer of faith, but there are other types of prayer, but all of those other types should have the confidence of the word backing up or being the momentum of what you're praying. So there's faith in my praying, but it's not something that I can lay hold of for myself. Daniel's praying about his nation. He's praying about the people of God. He's praying about the plan of God. He sees something in the scripture that identify the plan that he's not seeing in manifestation. Identifying something that should be, he said, according to the scriptures, we should be at this place. And so I'm going to pick that up in prayer. And so I gave my attention to the Lord. I sought the Lord. I set my face unto the Lord. And this is, this is a maturing of the saints. This is a maturing because, you know, when children are very small, all they care about is I want a cookie and I want my gummy bears and I want my Paw Patrol snacks and I want, I want this now. I want, I, all I care about is what I want, what I need. I don't want to watch that. I want to watch my cartoon. I don't want to do this. I want to read my book. I want to play with my... It's all what I, they're focused on a smaller realm. But as we grow and mature, all, all of those with little ones are saying, uh-huh, yep, that's right. As we, as we mature, as we grow, we recognize the importance of caring for others, the importance of overseeing responsibilities and things that must be done. And that's true in the body of Christ as well. That my acting on the Word, my purpose of faith is not just for my needs, for my household, for my finances or my health, but I need to take that faith that God has blessed me with in the local church to gain the victory in these areas and bring it to the plan of God. Bring it to what God wants to be doing in this earth. It's like that conversation with Jesus changes. Uh, I am always uh, touched when I hear uh, some of the instances that Jesse Duplantis will give about how he converses with the Lord. He said, I was talking to the Lord one day and he said, I just, I just said, Lord, what's on your mind? What are he, he switched it off of him and turned it over into what are you? What is he about? What are you thinking about? What's on your mind? Hallelujah. I, I want to be uh, that, that child, that adult child who comes to my Heavenly Father, with a willingness to bring my help to His plan, a willingness to bring my involvement into what He wants done. Everything He's done for me, I can now use that same faith He put in me for victory in my personal life. I can use that same faith to see victory in His local church, to see victory in the city of Little Rock for His glory. Amen. What do you want done? Who do you need me to pray for? How can I help you today, Lord? And that's what Daniel is doing. He set his face to the Lord. He gave his attention to the Lord. And prayer needs to have a a portion of our time in our communication with God where we are saying, you've got my attention. You've got my attention, Lord. I'm looking to you. 
What is it that, there are times he'll put things on your heart, things he'll bring up to you. Don't overlook those things. Don't just pass them by. Don't just give them a casual glance and say, well, praise the Lord for that. But pick that up and say, Lord, do you have more you want to talk to me about this? Are you speaking to me about this because you want me uh, to, to know something more? You want me to release my faith for something? You want me to pray over this? I gave the example last week of a story uh, that, that Brother Hagen shared about when he was uh, out on the road. He'd been out on the road. He'd been busy, and he was only in town for a couple of days, like two days, and he was running around trying to get all of his in-town affairs taken care of, uh, all of the bills paid, things that needed to be taken to uh, the, the uh, post office and, and all of the different responsibilities at the bank. And he said during that two days, he kept having a sense of being thrown from a car. He said, I just felt this sense of being thrown from a car. And he just gave it a casual touch in prayer. Oh, Lord, protect us. And then that third day, they're getting ready to go back on the road. And he says to his wife, now this was, this was so long ago that there were no seatbelt laws. And he said to his wife, pull your seatbelt out and put your seatbelt on. And she said, we never wear our seatbelts. Why are you wanting me to wear my seatbelt today? And he said, it's because I just keep having a sense of being thrown from a car. So put your seatbelt on. Well, a few days later, he was in a meeting uh, at, at another church and he got a phone call explaining that I think it was his niece or his cousin that had been thrown from her car. And he went to the Lord and repented and said, Lord, you are bringing that to me because I was a person in a position of righteousness in this family that I could have helped. I could have turned that situation. I, but I, he had to repent to God that he did not take the extra uh, attention in prayer about that situation so that he could have turned it. Amen. And he said that taught him a very important lesson about bringing that to the Lord. When, when something comes to you, it could be somebody else's rescue. It could be somebody else's help. Uh, Pastor Nancy Dufresne tells a story of being in prayer. She said as she was at her prayer meeting, she was praying and just had this sense of, of a child being run over. She said, I could just see the wheels of a vehicle running over a child and she took authority of it in prayer and she just stayed there with it in prayer until she sensed a victory until she sensed in her spirit a release and then she moved on well she was just mentioning that a few months later just mentioning that God had dealt with her in prayer and she was teaching about prayer and she was saying that you need, to, if God deals with you about something, stay there with that until you sense a peace in your spirit or a release or a joy comes up in your spirit. That's why, listen, family, we need to know peace and we need to know joy. Not, not just emotional it's, and mental. We've got to know the flow of peace and joy. If you are living a life that is so stressed out, it will be hard for you to recognize the peace of God. We've got to allow the peace of God that passes all understanding to guard our heart and to guard our mind because peace is a way that God reveals 
His direction to us. Peace can be like an umpire, the Amplified Bible says. Let peace have the arbitrary work of an umpire to call it safe or to tell you it's not safe. And so if, there, if you're not familiar with peace, you won't recognize that prompting as easily as a person who is, is practicing the peace of God. Well, she said, I felt that release in my spirit, so I, I just praised God for the answer, and I moved on. She was telling this story in teaching on prayer in a women's conference. And a, the, a, one of the people who had attended this women's conference was a pastor, was, worked for a pastor in, Cal, in Los Angeles who had come up to Murrieta for the women's conference. And she said, I've got to tell you, I actually think she stood up at, at the end of the service and said, I need to testify because we were having a Christmas party. I think it would have been a month prior. And she said, I am the caregiver for my pastor's children. And she said, at the at close of this Christmas party, people were starting to get up and leave the Christmas party, and one of the toddlers had opened the door and went outside and were outside playing around, and nobody knew it. They had just gone out, and somebody went and got in their van and backed up, and when they backed up, they knew they had backed up over something, so they put it in park, put it in gear, and pulled back in. So they not only backed up over the child in going in reverse, but then they put it in drive and, and ran back over it going forward. And then they got out and came back, and here's this little child sitting up crying, and they took it in. You could see the tire marks on its body. Not one thing broken. Not one injury not one broken bone, not one internal injury, nothing, nothing, nothing. But that didn't just happen. That didn't just happen. We don't know the rescues that we've seen that God already had somebody pray out for us. We don't know how many things that has worked in our behalf and we just think God did that. But we don't know that God had somebody obedient to pray. Somebody obedient to pick that up and to pray that out until they felt a peace, a release, a joy rise up in their spirit and got the victory for us. Brother Hagen tells the story, and this was actually a story that was in the Pentecostal Evangel, which was a magazine that ran for many years, Assembly of God magazine. And this story was about a missionary uh, who was on the field and came down with typhoid fever. And there was no uh, um, uh, medical help that they were able to give what this person had. They just had to either overcome it or, or go with it. And so they had thought this, this person was dying. And even at one point when they, she passed away and they, put, they were uh, putting the uh, cover over her head, this woman missionary. But that morning at 5 o'clock in the morning when her father got up to start a fire, this would have been back in the 50s, 60s, and he was a farmer and he was starting the fire in the wood stove and before he even went out to feed the animals, before he even went out to slop the pigs and feed the, milk the cows, he, he had this sense to pray and he got down on his knees. It was his daughter. 
No way for phone calls. No way for him to know what's going on. He just had a sense in his spirit to pray for his daughter. And he got down on his knees at 5 o'clock in the morning. And when his wife came in, she joined him. The pigs are, are oinking and the cows are mooing. And they let the pigs and the chickens and the cows stay. He stayed there until afternoon praying until he got a sense of victory. And that person that they had said was dead and put the cover over her head, she came back to life. He didn't stop praying until a victory came in his spirit. And he didn't know what it was about for months. It took months for the news to get back to him about how she had died. But he knew the day he had prayed, and she knew the day that the breakthrough came when she came back to her body. Amen? And that's what I'm talking about, setting and giving your attention to the Lord. Giving your attention to the Lord. He said, I've set my face unto the Lord to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes, giving his attention. He said, I sought the Lord, another version says. This is what I want us to learn. I'm not, I'm not going to go any farther with this today. I, I, I just feel the, the sense of the Lord for us to let this sink into us. I, I just want you to say this with me right now. Father, Father. I submit myself. To your prayer breakthroughs. If you need me, Lord, to pray for my family, my friends, somebody in the body of Christ, for your mercy on whoever, speak to me. I'll answer. I'll lift up my voice. I'll use my faith for you to minister to somebody else. I ask you you for clarity. clarity. Help me learn to be sensitive. sensitive. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I think that's important.